Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This episode of Collective Wisdom is brought to you by Gift Wellness, an award-winning social enterprise that makes non-toxic and hypoallergenic sanitary pads and their new range of plastic-free vegan cleansing and shampoo bars. Founded by Dr. Zareen Ahmed in memory of her daughter Halima, who was tragically killed in 2007, Gift Wellness make and sell healthy lifestyle products that give their customers a feeling of well-being and the knowledge that they are supporting a brand that cares about their individual needs, as well as the environment and the needs of those who are less fortunate. Their scheme, Buy One, Gift One, means that for every pack sold, a pack is donated to women in refugee camps and women in need via food banks and schools. Gift pads are at least six times more absorbent than most ordinary brands. This makes them better for the environment because around a third less product is used and thrown away. The friendly packaging and branding dispels taboos. It celebrates women so they don't have to hide them away or be embarrassed. Gift Wellness are offering listeners of Collective Wisdom a super generous 30% discount using the code CAT30. That's C-A-T-30. So head over to giftwellness.co.uk to learn more about this inspiring social enterprise that's helping thousands of women around the world to safeguard their dignity during times of crisis. Use the code CAT30, C-A-T-30 at checkout if you like what you see, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Thanks so much to Gift Wellness. Hey there, my wise friends, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Collective Wisdom. April the 2nd was World Autism Awareness Day, and this week I'm sharing the story of Charlotte Crawford, who's also known as the autistic artist. Charlotte is a real inspiration to me, as her story is one of courage, creativity and determination. As you'll hear, she found school particularly difficult and spent most of the time feeling isolated and anxious. Eventually, her mental health issues became so severe that she was hospitalised. Autism is now known to present very differently in autistic women and girls, and Charlotte is fortunate that she eventually received a correct diagnosis, as so many women and girls go under the radar and as a result don't get access to the support they need to help them navigate the challenges of being autistic in a world that doesn't quite fit. For Charlotte, it was only when she was able to show up as her true self and embrace her differences that she was able to find some real happiness and success. I'm so grateful to Charlotte for trusting me with her story, as I know that it will help others who are perhaps struggling with the same issues to feel less invisible and alone. And as she says, it's her hope that they don't feel they have to suffer in silence. Joining me today is Charlotte Crawford, who is an abstract artist from Berkshire. She loves to work with lots of color and texture, combining materials and themes to create unique abstract work. Think big, bold animal prints in vibrant technicolor or wonderfully colorful canvases 
with floral names like Summer is Here. I first heard about Charlotte when I went to see the Cezanne exhibition at the Tate Modern with my gorgeous friend Kirsten. And afterwards, we were talking about artists we love, and she mentioned Charlotte's beautiful work. Charlotte sees the world in a slightly different way because she's autistic, which is something she only discovered at the beginning of 2021, at the age of 21. She describes how her art and creativity have been a safety net and a way to help her navigate through the challenges and the mental health difficulties she's faced throughout her life. She says of her work, I never thought anyone would be interested in purchasing my work, but I guess I was wrong. My work is a translation of how I see the world and how I communicate when words can't. I want to create work that makes people feel joy and freedom. So for people to want my work in their home brings me so much light. So I'm really thrilled that she's agreed to come onto the podcast and tell us a bit more about her story today. So Charlotte, a warm, warm welcome. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for being here. So how are you feeling today about being a guest on the show? I'm quite nervous. I've never done anything like this before. So I am so in awe of you because as we were describing before we started recording, I spend a lot of time on this side of the microphone asking the questions. I've only ever been on one podcast and I've been asked to do a few more and I always go, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to that. And I never yeah. actually do. So I am so grateful because I think it's so fascinating, not only that you have done this amazing work, but that you have used it as a, as a real tool to help you get through some of those challenges you were talking about. So I was really interested when you first discovered your, your talent for art and creativity. Um, well, it's going to be a bit of a cliche answer um, <clears throat> from literally as, as long as I can remember. It's been something I've been drawn to and just loved doing. Wow. So I'd always have, I think I went through a phase of having manga books, you know, the Japanese style um, art books, and I would copy images from there. And I did... Um, my mum told me about this cross stitch I did when I was at nursery. I think I must have been three or four or something. And it was just perfectly done. And just this tiny square with all of these lovely um, stitches in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's genuinely been my entire life that I've just loved it. And I, I guess when people say, oh, how, how are you so good at detail work? Or how, how do you know how to paint at all because you're still quite young um, and I say because I've had genuinely years and years of practice I've just been doing it my whole life it's just been what I've always loved doing um, yeah and it sounds yeah. like it's not just painting you know there's anything that involves is it is it to do with using your hands is it translating yeah ideas and then and then putting them into a piece I of think it's art? A combination, really. I'm quite tactile, so I like using my hands a lot. I do that when I'm talking as well, so I'm, I'm trying not to do that too much. <laughs> um, yeah, so anything, anything that is creative, whether at, whether that's like clay or um, I went through a phase of making bags out of my clothes, which my mum wasn't best pleased with. <laughs> Clothes I would wear, I'd just cut up and make into bags. Um, 
Very clever. <laughs> I guess it's anything that I would be using that side of my brain because um, it's clearly that was the dominant side. And I mean, I'm left-handed, so that kind of... Yeah, all the best people are. I'm left-handed. Yeah, I agree. They're all the best people are, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's anything that I can focus in on and maybe it's that attention to detail that, yeah. that's in anything really, clay or like a massive piece of art it's it's all the same really um, so do you do you find it it's that it's that you get into a state of flow where you can just ignore what's going on outside yeah. and really yeah. really concentrate yeah. and that's why sometimes um i just work in silence because it's almost like i go into this hypnotic emotionless kind of state um yeah. Yeah, and just like go into a trance with the with my work because it is basically it is me getting all of that extra stuff, emotions. I don't, maybe even if I'm feeling like I'm masking a lot recently, getting a bit of personality out, even if that's not actually me talking or acting like myself. Um, maybe that's using a certain amount of colour in a piece or using more than I normally use. Yeah. To like bring that out of me. Um, so you, you you mentioned masking there. How, what what format for someone who doesn't quite understand what that means? What what, yeah. what is what, how does that manifest? For me, it's um mostly social things. So I um I fidget quite a lot um, and I play with my nails or play with my hands or, but I do that in a really subtle way and that's me regulating. And then um, I'm very good at recognizing faces because I'm the whole time I'm analyzing someone's face subconsciously. I'm looking at them thinking, what are they doing with that? Is that how I should react to the comments someone's made? Or wow. um, I used to practice smiling in the mirror and saying sentences to make sure I looked like normal when I said them um yeah it's it's I guess it's masking is you copying well not copying but taking on maybe traits of most people and the way they interact socially mm. um so whether that's asking certain questions when you meet someone and it's just like just as a reflex rather than I'm actually interested in what you're saying right. um because you know that that is seen as what you should do socially yeah. um or making eye contact which I find extremely difficult um and you'll see my eyes flitting around a lot but it's a lot easier over you know over yeah. this yeah because I, I'm not um yeah, but I'm quite good at pretending that I do like it because I just look at people's noses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking in that direction, just not at someone's eyes. Um, yeah, but for everyone who's autistic, it's completely different because some people mask all the time, which is mm. exhausting. I try not to, and I can actually feel when I'm not. I feel like light and... Like, I don't feel it was heavy or it was, and conversations just aren't effort. 
if I'm not masking. But yeah. it tends to be when I'm meeting new people or it's a big crowd or, yeah, lots of input. It just, yeah, so I just kind of go into like this mode of, okay, act like a robot. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like you were extremely good at masking. Mm. So maybe that's why it's taken quite a while for this diagnosis. Yeah. It's definitely why I slipped under the radar. Um, I was see, I, I was always told I was very shy and emotional. Um, and in girls, they don't really say, oh, maybe that, you know, autism is why that is, or um, they just put it down to, oh, she's just a shy girl. Yeah. She'll grow out of it. Um, and it's actually, I used to see a therapist and she said, um, it's actually credit to my parents that I'm so good at masking because it means that they've taught me all of, you know, how you're supposed to act. Yeah. You know, be polite and good manners and everything like that. Um, but at the yeah, same guess, time, that's exhausting if it's, mm, if it's almost like being on stage or being in a performance. Just yeah, yeah. World. It's like trying to smile when you're upset, that kind of effort. Yeah. Um, like you don't want to do it at all, but otherwise there's going to be, you know, question, questions or people saying, oh, why did you laugh at that? Or why, why didn't you laugh at that? Or, yeah, yeah. People, yeah. people have their own expectations. And you describe on your, on your website, you know, that, that it's very understandable when you, when you describe how, when you're in that flow, when you, when you take yourself into a piece of creative work, you can almost park all of that yeah. masking and having to perform and just mm. be yourself. Yeah. And what comes out is the real Charlotte. Yeah, exactly. So can you tell me more about the that process of of just, you know, because what, what comes out is so it's it's so evocative and so beautiful. It, you see beauty in the world. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Um, well, in terms of why I choose to paint what I paint, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess because I see everything more intensely and I feel everything more intensely, I guess that's where the intense colours come from. Mm. Um, and also... I just find bright neon colours just absolutely delicious. I think they are just gorgeous to look at. Um, and I can't I can't really stop using that. So I'm just gonna <laughs> I've just embraced it now. Yeah. Um in terms of themes, I have always felt quite connected to nature. Um I have way too many houseplants in my room. Um and if ever I go outside, I can genuinely feel myself or just go on a walk and just like listen to the wind or something. I can feel myself, you know, like calming. Everything is just, there's just space and it's less mm. input and it's less stimulating. It's just like natural. Um, and um, I love animals, anything fluffy I will gravitate towards if I see a dog in the street I'm like a magnet <laughs> yeah. it's a joke with my friends actually um 
if there's a dog, I'll find it and I'll say hello to it. Um, and they always love me. I don't know why. Maybe they know I'm a bit, bit different. Um, yeah, so I guess it's all of these things are the things I find um, calming and they make me feel good and they're not stress-inducing. They're things that take away from that stress. So they come out in this colourful, vibrant, light way um, with layers, though, which lots of, lots of my work is quite complex. It's got lots of layers and mm, real notice. texture. Yeah, from all the texture. Um, I don't know if that's actually answered your question or whether I just went on a tangent. No, no, that is absolutely beautiful. And it's it's because I I sense that, you know, you're talking there about, like, it's another way of communicating. Mm. So we have a verbal way of communicating, but you're doing this in a very visual way. And perhaps even with animals, you are communicating because they're nonverbal. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so what what strikes me about your work is how everything is heightened, like the color, yeah. the vibrancy, the texture, and you're bringing all of that way of seeing the world into your work which is not an easy thing to do no sometimes it does get away from me um there have been a few pieces that i've just thought no this is uh if i've or if i've had a bad day this, the wrong thing is coming out and it's not how i want my work um to come across or i mean but that's the same with any artist they they're never going to create everything everything they they create isn't going to be what they love so um the outcome isn't going to be 100 percent what they wanted it to be which is fine um it's almost like a process i guess and that's i think some people are so afraid of the outcome not being what they want mm. that they're not even willing to engage with the process whereas yeah. what you it sounds like what you do is almost every day there's a part of you it's almost like a I need to paint. I need to get this. It out. is. It's definitely like an urge in me. Um, it's like this little voice saying, "Oh, you're you're, you're feeling a bit stressed," or um, I genuinely would be fine painting twenty four seven. I'd actually be yeah. okay with that. I I would love that. Um, yeah, even if so, I go to my studio some days. Um, I try to go often. But even if I finish the work day there, I come home and then I would paint at home as well. Wow. So literally I'm doing it as long as I can um, because it's just, it's just the one thing that I know helps me. Um, yeah, and I don't know whether it's the multitasking element or the con concentrating on one thing in that moment type thing. Um, and lots of my work is quite repetitive, so maybe the so the repetitive nature of some of it, yeah, it's is soothing. There's lots of things, lots of reasons why I just want to paint all the time, oh. but um, I definitely don't think I would be able to create what I create without my brain being the way it is. Yeah. Um, Which is why it's such a gift. It's so it is a real gift, and I'm just wondering, you know, because you said you had you weren't diagnosed until you were 21 mm. and whether that diagnosis in itself was a bit of a relief. Oh, 100%, 100%. It was, um, 
Well, I went through a very hard time, which I'm sure we'll get into more. Um, and I remember when I was in hospital, well, I don't remember this exactly, but um, this psychologist came in and she was, you know, asking me questions as you do in those circumstances. And she was, you know, just trying to get a gauge of what had been going on basically my entire life. Um, and the therapist I mentioned earlier, she noticed in the notes of this psychologist that she put ASD question mark. Um, so without that, without that one psychologist, she's female, um, mm. without her um, questioning it, it may never have come about. Um, and I remember the moment that um, the Louise was the, the therapist I saw, um, she had the same diagnosis as me and she was asking me all these questions. I was like, oh my God, it's like someone's finally speaking my language. Wow. Like, people can say they understand, but they don't really. That's just something people say. Yeah. Um, but she genuinely understood exactly how, how I felt. Um, and it, she was like, yeah, the world is just on volume 100 the whole time. And I was like, yes, everything's just so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and just so loud. Even, you know, visual things, touch, smell, everything is just more. Um, yeah. And I remember I got previous diagnosis. I got a diagnosis of BPD, which I knew was wrong when they said that. I was like, yeah. What, what, what is, forgive me, what is BPD? Uh, it's borderline personality disorder. So wow. it's a personality oh, um, my goodness. disorder. And then they also questioned whether I had bipolar because I've got family history of bipolar. Um, these are all wrong. I knew they were when they said them. I was like, that does not fit me. I'm not, I, I love life. It's not like I don't want to be here. Yeah. It's just, I'm very, I'm obviously struggling to process just existing. Yeah. And I don't know why. Um, and yeah, yeah. I just, it was just like a light bulb moment. And, and it was like someone had taken this massive weight off my shoulders and just said, it's fine. You're fine the way you are. You're not, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. You just have been misunderstood your entire life. And this is why. Yeah. Um, oh, it was, it was an amazing moment actually. Yeah. So giving you permission to be you. Yeah. Yeah. And saying the way you've been feeling is far, is okay. Like you, there's a reason you've been feeling like this. You're not, you're not going mad. You're not, you yeah. know, and what um, were what were some of the the challenges? Was it mainly at school, just the 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 normality of just so many people, and because you've yeah. described how being out in nature is just freeing and space, and you can get away from it all. Well, I mean, there's a long there's a long list really of things that I found difficult, but it was it was just everything. It was all a lot just every day was hard and whether that was the crippling anxiety of being called upon in class or where do I sit at lunch because I don't really have many friends um but it was it was like these things that everyone struggles with but I genuinely would cry like most days because it was just all a lot I liked being on my own a lot. 
Mm. But I think that's because I needed to regulate myself. Yeah, It was probably subconscious tools that I'd put in place to be able to cope. Um, thankfully, I did go to quite a small school. Um, so I think that helped later on in my school year, school years. Um, but I remember year seven and eight, probably the worst years of my life, honestly. They were, I was in a massive, massive school and I just kind of sunk into the background, just blended in, basically just made no friends, tried to do as little to draw any attention to myself. Um, I remember I would cry every time a teacher called upon me in class because I didn't know, I didn't, I just didn't know the answers or I was so focused on just being that little mouse in the corner that mm. if I was called upon, it was honestly the worst thing. I just spent my entire day worrying about that basically. Um, and relationships were hard, um, like friendships and romantic relationships. Yeah. I'm very emotional and I'm, I'm very passionate. If someone is a big part of my life, they basically get, you know, all of me plus some more. <laughs> um, and so if they fall apart, those relationships, I take it so much harder because I'm like, oh, they've, you know, fear of rejection, basically. Yeah. Um, which lots of people have. But um, but again, what you're like, describing is it, it's a heightened version of that. The anxiety is hundredfold. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, adolescence is is a difficult time to navigate. For anyone, exactly. Yeah. 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 And it, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I, you know, I found this. No one else found it hard. I was the only one who found it hard. Um, I thought everyone felt the way I felt, but now yeah. I know that they didn't. <laughs> yeah. um, they felt similar things to me because that was just hormone changes and, you know, growing up, learning about yourself, um, you know, getting new jobs, learning to drive, all of those things. But um, it was almost like I was just in flight mode the entire month, the entire time. I was just um, at school. I just like sweat all the time because I was just nervous. It would all be, yeah. It was just all a lot. It was all a lot. And really that must hard. have impacted your creativity because when we're in flight mode, you know, that's not a time to really yeah. get absorbed, to be able to let go, to get into that state, state of flow. Yeah, I mean, there was one. There were a few years actually at my the second school I went to. So from year nine to the end of sixth form, they had an amazing art department and I basically found a home at that, in that department. I, if any, everyone needed to find me, they'd say, where's Charlotte? <laughs> oh, you know where she is, she's in the art department. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It was really, it was just this amazing light, bright space with white walls and it was just, like clean and it was I, I don't know what it was maybe I think it maybe it was the light you just got all this sun coming in um and they had all of these materials you could just have fun with and it was yeah they they were always my that was always my best time whenever I went to the art department um I just loved it I just couldn't get enough 
And isn't it funny how we just, you know, our natural instincts, if we're allowed, if because as children, so much of this is not mm. in our control. You know, you must go to this class, you must go to, you know, you must put your hand up, you must meet yeah. people's eyes, you know. Um, and yet you were gravitating, you were finding it for yourself, which is Oh yeah. I mean, it was it was genuinely like a magnet was pulling me. Yeah. I was like, no, this is what you actually want to do. This is this is your special interest. Art is your special interest. And yeah. I'm, I'm just really lucky that I found it. And it's something I can actually hopefully make a good career out of. Um, oh. Well, you know, certainly the work speaks for itself. I love the fact that you've been courageous enough to to be that autistic artist, you know, to own that part of your story because it is so instrumental in how you perceive the world and and it's so yeah. much part of why that yeah. art is so vibrant and amazing and and it just it actually from a from a sort of viewer's point of view it it, it asks us to engage with the world in that more heightened sense mm. of emotion you know wow I've never thought of looking at it like this you know flowers yeah. really do have all those different colors and and I love what you're saying about the neons and the, you know, how you even perceive light, I think yeah. is, is just yeah. coming across so well in your work. I'm wondering if, because, you know, that diagnosis was so late, well, not so late, but, you know, that has that helped you? Have you found resources that have given you an even deeper understanding of neurodivergency and... and um, I would say, sadly, no. Really? The um, mental health help anywhere in in this in the UK is not that great. Mm -hmm. um, I was extremely extremely lucky that I had Louise, and she recognised so many um, things in just my notes from when I was growing up or just yeah. past things that had happened, that had happened. Um, and she said, yeah, I know exactly how I can help this person. Um, and, and from what you, you, what you said, she is also autistic. She yeah, she's also autistic and ADHD, same as me. Right. Um, so she, as I said, knew, knew exactly how I was feeling and she knew exactly how she could help me. Um, so she gave me so many tools um, and you know, articles and videos and lots of resources to help me learn about neurodiversity in general, um, and just learn about myself. Yeah, because that it was a lot of. Once I'd been diagnosed, there was a lot of like relearning about my personality and how what I actually need from myself, from the world, from people. Um, so there was a lot of adjustments. So filtering down things, so it allows you to ask almost what you need. You know, you can yeah. actually walk into a room and say, I'm autistic, therefore it would be really helpful if exactly. um, there are less distractions. Or if you've, you know, as we discussed, could you tell me beforehand what sort of questions you're going to ask yeah. me so that yeah. there's no... Um, so, I'm, so, so I have more time to process. Is, 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 is processing time an issue for you? Um, I think when there's, if there's a major, um, 
major events like an exhibition for example that I've got coming up in two weeks time well less than two weeks um in London and there's so many things so many extra steps that I need to put in place to be able to cope for that entire weekend in that very intense environment um and I know that I will be masking for a lot of that so I'm mentally preparing my energy stores (laughs) um and just trying to calm and not take in too much stimulation before then so I know that I will be able to handle it and not have a complete meltdown which normally would happen um so I guess having those knowing that I need to make those steps is you know a great thing because I wasn't doing that the first year I was diagnosed I still thought oh I've got this diagnosis I can just do exactly what I was doing um but I mean that clearly wasn't working so is I'm still learning now, definitely. And I follow lots of amazing women online that are promoting, you know, awareness for ADHD and autism and encouraging people to ask questions and um, find out more. And because it's it's a huge um, spectrum. Yeah. And, you know, what one autistic person may struggle with doesn't mean every single autistic person will struggle with that same thing. Same for men and women. There's a huge difference. This is why it's so important to talk about it now. Yeah. And 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 I, I mean, again, I commend your courage because it's not an easy thing to talk about. It's deeply personal. Yeah. And, but you're helping people who might be feeling the way you were before you had your diagnosis, just misunderstood. Yeah. You didn't quite fit. And what would be, do you have any advice for someone who's maybe in their teens and thinking, I know teenage years can be difficult, but this is even more difficult than, what would be your advice? Um, I'd say don't, don't stay silent in your struggle mm. because even if it turns out that yes, you are, struggling a bit more but it's okay and that's just what it's going to be like then that's fine but it's also you never know whether there's something more going on um because it's it's, it kind of annoys me there's this one so in films or programs I mean less so it's starting to change now a bit but there's this one representation of what autism looks like and it's this person who, you know, sadly is nonverbal or they have physical difficulties or um, it's it's very obvious that there's something going on. Um, but then there's all of these people like myself who are trickling through the gaps mm. and it's been labelled as depression or social anxiety or, oh, that it's just hormones, It'll, they'll grow out of it. Um, or as you said, personality yeah. disorder, which is a very different thing. Presumably. Very different, very different. Um, and the key thing that made me think, no, that's not me, was they said, um, you have like, no drive in life. You don't want to live. And I was like, that's not me. I do want to live. I love life. Life's awesome. Um, yeah. it's, and it's- I, I know that because I look at things, I, I don't know, there's little things I see, I don't know, like someone walking so walking their dog and they just look really happy makes me really happy yeah um makes me feel like warm or I see 
parents or their kids or just just little things I'm always I've always been this like observer I'm just watching these really beautiful things beautiful moments yeah happen. and that's exactly what you capture in your work yeah. it's you know you've described detail and how you you observe detail and then you translate that into your work and I loved what you said about how it's a way of communicating that doesn't involve words and I yeah. think that's the other thing that you have accessed so beautifully is how to help other people mm. notice those details which will in turn bring them that sense of joy and wonder yeah. well I hope so I mean that's why I've included my name my diagnosis in my business name because I, I, it, people need to be more comfortable with seeing that in someone that is that looks normal yeah um because it's it's so much more common than people think like it's like i think there's what is it a million people in the uk or something might make the fig that might be wrong the figure but it's it's more people than you think I think it's the tip of the iceberg because yeah. it's only recently that people like you have been brave enough to really share their stories. And that has resonated with other people who, who often, you know, they may be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, especially yeah. women who are suddenly going, wait a minute, that's exactly how I feel about the world. Yeah. I, those are the struggles I had at school. That's exactly how I yeah. was challenged, you know, and because it's, so misunderstood but you're helping people really change that that one image as you said of you know that that it's it it manifests in so many different ways yeah. and really it's about celebrating what makes you uniquely you mm. and and accessing the things you know not every person who has autism is going to be an amazing artist but they will probably have something yeah. that is a real superpower is a real strength mm. and when they can access that i really like that word actually superpower yeah, yeah. Well, um lots of people are coming in contact with that have had um a recent diagnosis or um they know someone who has they talk about it as a superpower and i think that's that's great because you look at people that have made amazing discoveries in the past so um Isaac Newton, for example, I'm sure that he was someone that saw the world in a different way because otherwise he wouldn't have done all those amazing things. All of these people that made incredible leaps and bounds in technology or science or art, anything, will have seen the world in a different way. Otherwise they wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's and, very and likely you know, that... Einstein didn't speak until he was seven. So... Yeah you've got to believe there must have been something about his nonverbal communication that indicates yeah. just a, a neurodiversity that's there. And yet mm. he saw things that most of us can't even comprehend. Never mind. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so for some people it's towards the science, but I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head there where you said it's, it's not about um, the, there being one trait or one, it, it's about understanding those differences are what make you unique and yeah. and then helping people to discover and understand themselves is, yeah. is what, it's, it's essentially what your work, and I'm so glad that 
you call yourself the autistic artist because it really does help people to gravitate towards it and understand maybe a bit about a bit more about themselves yeah that's that's what it's opening up for people yeah I've had great feedback from that actually in terms of um just people being like oh I didn't know that you were you don't you don't seem it and I'm thinking this is exactly what the problem is yeah I you know I know I've slipped through the radar here but you don't know what autism looks like there's not one image for it so saying oh you don't look like you're autistic it's not a compliment no no thank you I'm so glad it's because it's you know it just makes it seem even more invisible which I know it is but um yeah I mean I have had a few people one instance that um sticks out in my head which I which was not very fun at my studio so it's it's open to the public all the time um I was just in there working I don't think anyone else any of the other artists were in there that day um and if they were I can imagine they definitely would have had something to say about this interaction this woman came in um I can't remember her name um it's not relevant anyway but um she came in had a look at my work she said why do you call yourself the autistic artist and I said because I'm autistic um and I want to encourage others to embrace their differences um and she said don't you think that's a bit contrived and I was thinking how dare you come into my you know safe space my studio where you're welcomed as a member of the public and basically insult my entire business yeah um and me I didn't say that because I was just so taken aback and so um I was just so shocked that someone could say something like that. Yeah. Um, and then she went on a whole spiel about how she worked with autistic people um, and saying, oh, yeah, you know, um, it's, it's really hard for autistic people. I'm thinking, well, if you work with them, why are you talking to me like this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's really sad that that's still happening. And she was of the older generation, so maybe she was slightly less open-minded. I mean, she talked about how, oh, so many kids are being diagnosed now. I think it's parents just diagnosing them because they're naughty. I'm thinking, no. No. And that's that's really what, you know, what you're up against. And that's why it's courageous work, because there will always be people who come with their you're you're rocking their belief systems. You're rocking everything about the the, the world yeah. that they've known. They're hanging on with their ego, and it's so difficult to yeah. to upset that, uh, to change that. And yet, it's you know, it's brave work. It's brave work indeed. And yeah. it's an example of where it's so hard to just brush it off. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go to my studio for about a week after that yeah and and, and, just... and I think that for me is why this is such important work that you're doing it's because the more we can challenge those beliefs mm. but in a in a compassionate way you know and, yeah, and, and going whenever you meet anyone whoever they are just meeting them with an open mind and being kind it doesn't it's not 
doesn't cost anyone being nice. No, no. and this is why, you, you know, one of my questions is always, I always ask about, it, and it sounds like Louise, your therapist, there was so much kindness there, so much understanding. Yeah. When you feel seen and heard, you know, it was beautiful the way you just said suddenly, oh, she gets me. And that was just an act of kindness almost. But I wonder, you know, you've just told a story about how the opposite is so damaging. And especially mm -hmm. when you have that heightened sensitivity, I think it's so difficult to walk away from. Um, and, and the idea of rejection, which is, is also why the work you're doing is so brave because even just putting a piece of work out there and saying, here, I made this, yeah. opens you up to someone going, yeah, well, it's not really for me. Oh, I've had that so many times. And I, I don't take it personally. Well, actually, not so many times, a few times. Um, <laughs> because more people like my work than don't like it. Yeah. Some people are a bit intimidated by the colour, I think, um, or the use of colour. Or but, challenged. People don't, sometimes some people don't like to be challenged, you know? Yeah, or it's just something different. And they're like, oh, wow, that is bright. And I'm, I'm like, yep, the brighter the better in my mind. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I love you've got bright yellow neon nail yeah. ones. Yeah, I've got bright yellow. It's your signature <laughs> trademark. And I think the more we can find those things that make us who we are mm. and present them and own them, the better the better the world is so when it comes to kindness what's the nicest thing that someone said to you about your work um well i think oh yeah it was one maybe the first exhibition i went to um as an artist on my own that was very scary but someone said they came up to me and they said i love your work it just makes me smile and that is exactly why I do it, why I want to do it. Because yeah, I think people overcomplicate things and they overcomplicate life and finding joy in, in small things and just art or just something colorful on your wall. I think it's, it's fantastic. And that hearing that felt made me quite emotional actually, because it was, it was like a reassurance and a, you are doing the right thing. Yeah. like the message that you want to come across is coming across um and it's having the desired effect which is yeah what a wonderful mission in life you know i just went to the hockney exhibition and he said my job in life is just to paint beautiful pictures make beautiful work that's my job and your yeah. job is to make people smile with your work yeah you know that i have noticed at other exhibitions i've done you know, see, you see people wandering around looking at lots of different work um, and you're surrounded by all these amazing artists that do all these different things. Everything is unique. And um, I notice how people react to my work and I, they just smile. It's like a little, like, kind of like a, just, yeah. you know, they look at it and it makes them happy, which is just, it's just amazing. I, I, I can't, it's strange thinking about where I was three years ago and here I am now talking about my work and it's yeah I'm really really grateful and happy and just glad that I can spread colour and fun and joy in this way and so am I I mean that is and 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 you know, it, it's a tangible representation of it's a, it enables people to take a little piece of joy home with them put it on their yeah. wall. So and as they walk past it every day, you know, in, in many, in much the same way as you might with a mirror and you have to sort of remind yourself to smile at yourself. 
this is a reminder find the joy find the joy today go find some color go find some vibrancy go find some detail go notice the little things that that make life so special what a what a great mission in life and i'm wondering um you know because you 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 obviously spend a lot of time in your studio absorbed in your work does does music the other senses because you're so visual i'm wondering about the sort of audio senses where does music come into it for you um well i will say i'm an avid car singer are you yeah (laughs) i love Love singing in the car um I find it really like thrilling and freeing to almost like yell the words. Yeah. Um, I don't have the music too loud mine because my hearing's really sensitive. But um yeah, I love it. It's just it's like letting go of this, I don't know, you sometimes you need to just yell, yeah. get some extra frustration or any emotion out. Um singing is one of those things I do. Um really? and it's normally quite slow um mellow music so things like london grammar is my kind of music very um deep and yeah slow and i just love it yeah you know um susan kane has written a book called bittersweet and she talks a lot about how especially artists and creatives and really sensitive people access that feeling, that depth of emotion, often through really what we describe as sad music, you know, melancholy chords. Um, She has a playlist that, and some of the music brings you to tears, you know. Yeah, I I mean, I've, I've spent long journey, long car journeys, listening to really sad music and sometimes you just need to cry crying is great it's like yeah. your own therapy yeah letting go of all this extra emotion lots of people are afraid to cry because they think well it's- i think it's that that's what she's encapsulated in bittersweet it's like we only understand pure joy and happiness in juxtaposition with, exactly. with sorrow and loss and grief yeah. and which are all you know they're all part of life yeah. it, we we can't be happy all the time, but it's it's accessing that that difference. You know, once yeah. we, once we get that sense of longing, we can we can then also access yeah. joy more easily. And I think maybe that's why I'm so passionate about helping people be happy. Obviously, I'm not going to make them be 100% happy with one piece of art, but um, even if I can make them a little bit happier than they were. Um, yeah, that's what I'm really passionate about because I've been at such a low point. Mm. I know that even if I'm having a really bad day um, and I'm overwhelmed and overstimulated, I just need to sit and be and just exist in this really tough emotional state. I know that it will get better because it did get better. Yeah. So looking yeah. back, I can, you know, take that as a, well, I kind of I basically survived my own mental health difficulties. Um, and this is why I'm so open about it, because it's almost like I've separated these two parts of myself. Like that person doesn't exist anymore. 
the person before mm. all of that it's like I left that person in hospital um and I remember one of the doctors one of one he was like a helper guy um and he said I never want to see you back here again and I was like nope I won't see you ever again no. <laughs> <a> good life. <laughs> um and part of that process must have been oh somebody's finally seen me mm. and given me access to what's making me feel like I can't operate in the world I can't be out there yeah the tools to sort myself out to to go into myself and understand myself mm. more deeply yeah well sadly I didn't get the uh I didn't meet Louise until a few months after I left left hospital so I had um I think it was maybe six months or so being on the wrong medications and having the wrong diagnosis. Um, but when I met Louise, she basically said, yeah, scrap that, that's, a load, that's not you. Um, get you off that medication right now because it's the 100% wrong thing wow. for you and the way your brain works. Um, but yeah, it was it was like a little switch, yeah somebody gets freedom switch almost yeah yeah it is that freedom and then you find the the steps just one in front of another to climb out of that that really dark deep place yeah what a and 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 that takes a lot of courage yeah it was hard <laughs> yeah. it was very hard um and I mean, I'm I'm almost glad I went through it because I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And yeah, it's just all, I think it was well, not meant to happen because I'm not sure I actually believe things are meant to happen. Well, um, you know, there's not a pre, there's not a plan, mm. but I am... Um, yeah I'm glad it got to that well I'm not glad it got to that point obviously it would have been better if it didn't but um yeah I'm just glad I've got to this point now coming yeah. out from such a yeah. hard time yeah and I think that's a sense when we we can feel gratitude for something that was so difficult such a challenge it is a sense that we've healed. Mm. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a sign that you know we've been able to overcome it. We've we've really got in touch with just how resilient. Also, I mean, it just makes you more grateful for little things and just being alive because life is so short. You're yeah. just a blink. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And is there is there any music you were talking about, you know, in the car and was there was there music that helped you out of those those black times? Um it was probably I, I think there was a playlist on Spotify that I would listen to on repeat. Um that's one another thing I do. If I find a song I like, I listen to it for about a week on repeat. <laughs> just the same song on loop. 
over and over and over. And really over get over. to know it. That's yeah. you. That's that's because that's who you are. You go yeah. really deep <laughs> and get to know um, the details. Yeah, so I had this playlist that I would just listen to on repeat. Um, but for me, music was more and is more of a thing I listen thing thing I listen to when I'm not feeling too overstimulated because I find noise is one of the major things that affects me. So if I have too much noise, yeah, it just sends me into like a downward spiral of I'm overwhelmed, I'm irritable, everything is just too much. Yeah. So I have to just kind of turn it all off. Um I have these little ear things that I put in when I go into London, for example, because the tube is just my worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you do you have um issues with burnout? Do you find it goes in cycles? Do you Yeah, majorly. I'm still trying to figure out how to recognize it soon enough to prevent it from even happening um at the minute i'm recognizing it before it happens rather than preventing it from happening yeah, yeah. Um, but just like anything i'm still learning i'm not pretending to be an ex- expert in anything no. um and there's so many there's so much more research now so yeah and so many more resources to help an autistic person or someone who's got an autistic person in their life to understand so and recognizing those triggers and yeah I do get burnout for me is I if I even I can't even fathom talking to anyone um and then I put my comfort show on put sit under my weighted blanket wear the most comfortable baggy clothes I have <laughs> yeah. um, and just kind of do, take on no new information for at least a day, if not yeah, like a half a week kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, one of the greatest pursuits in life is to have a deeper understanding of yourself and that's what you're developing. It's like yeah. recognizing those signals and just knowing knowing what works and sometimes it's go into hibernation and sometimes it's to take yourself off to your studio and create something beautiful yeah I will say because I've had to get to know myself probably from even before I was diagnosed I was obviously subconsciously recognizing these things that I needed or things about myself I've always found now all my friends are just so much older because I guess they've done that getting to know themselves kind of stage mm. and I'm there so I, I'm I'm like the little youth in the, <laughs> in the, the friendship group but um I find it easier to communicate with people that are just themselves yeah rather than not that every young person I'm not and I'm not I mean, I'm, I am young, yes, but, um, you know, I'm not like 18, but it's um, a younger age, you're still, I mean, I'm still doing it, but you're still trying to find out who you are and the people you want to be associated with and the people you want in, you want in your life and like meaningful relationships rather than having, you know, 
30 friends that or more that you don't really know as well as say five friends that you do um, who really accept you for who you are who really help you to yeah. shine as 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 the beautiful charlotte and yeah. i think sometimes you know um people can be an old soul in a young body that yeah people have said that about me actually yeah <laughs> and so it makes perfect sense that you gravitate towards people who are perhaps older in age yeah you just have that outlook on life you, you've got that wisdom you've got that courage that comes from having faced some tough times you know that, that that's happened to you and I'm very sorry it has happened to you in that way but it's also clearly taught you so much yeah yeah I've learned so much from it about myself about you know friendships um family just it's it's all been there's been lots of learning in this house in the yeah last, yeah the yeah. last few years yeah and you said before we were recording you said there's a piece of music which I would love to be able to add to the playlist which reminds you of your dad yeah so tell us a bit about that so it's um Claire de Lune it's um his favorite piano piece um whenever I feel it I whenever I feel it, whenever I hear it, I um, feel connected to him. I don't know, he doesn't listen to it very often, but if he does, I can see him getting, he gets quite emotional. And um, I, I don't know, I just feel a, when I hear that, I hear him. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and I love that, I love that story about connection, but I also, I really do think it's a perfect example of one of those. It may even be on Susan Cain's playlist. It's one of those bittersweet, it's yeah. quite a melancholy piece of music. And yet it's emotional. It yeah. Really it's helps really us to feel deeply. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. And what would you say, Charlotte, is a piece of wisdom, you know, a little nugget of gold or a pearl of wisdom that you have used to help you get to where you are today through all those challenges? Um, I saw this um, video, I can't remember who it was, it was um, an old video of, of this guy talking, he had three, three pieces of advice and I can remember one of them and um, the top of one mountain is the bottom of another, so keep climbing. Yeah. Um, which I, I just think is beautiful um and it just shows you like yes you know you've got over this one thing but there's just something there's always something better and well not something better but there's always growth to be met to, to to be made and things you can learn and more you can add and so basically you know don't settle have fun exploring the world and people and trying new things um yeah that is a beautiful visual image of you out in nature literally climbing mountains and just yeah. knowing that there's always more there's always something else to be explored and yeah. i i just have this image of you at the top of your mountain which is how i see you now which is where you you know you are owning everything about you that makes you unique and gifted and talented and then putting those gifts out into the world to help other people just mm. magical 
Amazing stuff. And you mentioned you have an exhibition coming up in London. So for anyone listening to this, is it going to be going on? What are the dates? So it's um, next next weekend. So that's the it's from the thirtieth of thirtieth not April thirtieth of March until the second of April. Um, on the thirtieth, there's a private view from I think it's from six till nine, and then the other three days are over the entire day. But it's at um, Oxo Tower in London. Oh, perfect. Oh, what a, what a space. God, yeah, that's yeah it's amazing. amazing. There's loads of other artists um, taking part. Um, it's called the Holy Art Fair. Um, I'm very excited about it. I am so thrilled for you. That is an amazing thing to be able to put on your CV and to be, you know, yeah. to be able to invite people to. And I'm just wondering if we can get this episode released in time so that people hear about it. But if that's not the case, I still wish you all the very best with it because it's a sign that your work is being received so wholeheartedly. And, you know, I loved that quote at the beginning about how much joy it brings you to know that people want to buy your work, put it in their houses and it sparks joy in them. Yeah, yeah. Just a beautiful sentiment. So well done. Thank you so much for sharing your story here, Charlotte. I know it will have helped so many people. And for anyone who wants to see the work, which I would highly recommend, you've got the exhibition in London, but also your website that, that is really interactive. You can buy pieces. Do you do um, private commissions? I do, yes. Um, that's actually mostly where I get lots of my business from. Um, because I... I think sometimes the colour people want to <laughs> adjust slightly so it obviously fits into their home, but yeah. 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 Fantastic. So you can find all of that at the autisticartist.com. And I highly recommend you go over there and take a look because even just spending some time digging into the gallery, it's a it's a place where you can just find that little spark of joy. So thank you for being with me, Charlotte. And yeah, all the very, very best of luck with your future work. Thank you so much. What a complete superstar Charlotte is. And I loved that wisdom about the top of one mountain being the bottom of another. Life really is made up of peaks and troughs and we can't always be soaring. But I think she has shown such courage and determination and is now using that resilience that she's found to help other people, which is just so amazing. One of the lovely endings to this story is that Hannah and I got to go to the Oxo Tower and made it to Charlotte's exhibition. And we're now the proud owners of a piece of her work that is made using pressed wildflowers, which she uses to create these beautiful montages. And I'm just so grateful to have it as a wonderful memory of such an inspirational artist. I've put links in the show notes to Charlotte's website. So if you'd like to go and take a look for yourself, you can find her at theautisticartist.com and also to a couple of programs which I watched while I was researching this episode made by the BBC. Firstly, Christine McGuinness, who's a great advocate for the autistic community, having had her own late diagnosis. 
called Unmasking My Autism, and then a program called Inside Our Autistic Minds, which was made by Chris Packham, the wildlife conservationist who is also autistic. Both programs are fascinating and go a long way to addressing some of the myths around autism, some of those stereotypes about how autism presents itself in different people, and raising awareness that neurodiversity is a difference, not so much a disability. And finally, the Square Peg podcast, which is hosted by my friend Amy Richards, and which is really bringing so much awareness of just how many people are impacted by the issues we've been talking about today. So it just remains to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.